Yes, people, it is Thursday, which means it's time for Echo Chamber. And as we do, we start off with the top 10 films streaming in the UK right now. So at number 10 this week, we have Spider-Man Far From Home. So John Watts did his thing here. With Tom Holland, Zeander, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Jacob Batalon. At number nine, this was an interesting one. It's the Urban Legend Trilogy. Yo, I didn't even realize there was a third in that film series. Well, anyway, at number eight, we have Let Him Go. So this was from Thomas Bezuka, and it's starring Kevin Costner, Diane Lane, Leslie Manville, and Boo Boo Stewart. At number seven, it's Michael Doherty's Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Which means at number six, it's uh, Pete Doctor and Kemp Powers' soul. This, you know, Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, David Diggs, Rachel House, Ron Funches, and a whole bunch of other very talented voice actors. At number five, we have got Michael Grace's The Greatest Showman. With uh, Hugh Jackman, Zac Efron, Zeander again, and Keely Seattle. So at number four, it's Joker. Right, so Todd Phillips did his thing with Jackie Felix, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beats, and Francis Conroy. Which means at number for free, I think it's the first new film um, of the week, is Willy's Wonderland. So this was from Kevin Lewis, starring Nicolas Cage, Kaylee Cowan, Emily Toster, and Christian Del Grosso. At number two, it's Paddy Jenkins, A Wonder Woman 1984. So uh, we've got Gal Gadot reprising her role along with Chris Pine, Pedro Pascal and Christine Wig were the big bads. And at number what what one a third DC film in the top 10, it is Zack Schneider's Eureka of the Justice League. So this had um you know, everyone up in it, you know, Jared Leto as your other DC Joker, like Henry Caval, Superman, Gadot as Wumba Woman, Ezra Miller as uh, The Flash, Ben Affleck as Batman, you know, and all your other favourite DC heroes. So, people, that's the top 10. We've got three films this week. A little look at some of the things that have come out and we'd missed. Um, but before we do those, let's get to this. 
Okay, Shudder fans, May is looking like it is going to be another great month from the premier horror streaming platform. Some of the highlight films coming, well, it all starts on the 7th of May with Fried Barry. So this is... A first directorial film from Ryan Kruger, who's, um, you know, an award-winning music video director. And it's starring Gary Green. Okay, so uh, basically, it follows the story of a drug-addled degenerate who, after yet another bender, gets Abducted by aliens, Barry takes a back seat as his alien visitor assumes control of his body and takes it for a joyride through Cape Town. What follows is an onslaught of drugs, sex and violence as Barry's alien tourist enters the weird and wonderful world of humankind. Dum dum dum. Alright, so we also have the following week on the 13th of May, The Reckoning. Okay, so um, this is from Neil Marshall. Now, everyone knows Neil Marshall. He's produced some, yeah, outstanding films and also directed a lot of Game of Thrones episodes. Right, so um, it's written by Marshall as well and starring Charlotte Kirk, Edward Evers Swindle. So the film um, is this, right? After losing her husband during the Great Plague, Grace Haverstock is unjustly accused of being a witch and placed in the custody of England's most ruthless witch hunter, Judge Moorcroft. Forced to endure physical and emotional torture while steadfastly maintaining her innocence, Grace must face her own inner demons as the devil himself starts to work his way into her mind. Ooh. Then, on the 20th of May, we've got PG Psycho Gorman. Okay, so um, this film is about young siblings Mimi and Luke unwittingly resurrect an ancient alien overlord who was entombed on Earth millions of years ago after a failed attempt to destroy the universe. They nicknamed the evil creature Psycho Gorman, PG for short, and used the magical amulet they discovered to force him to obey their childish whims. It isn't long before PG's reappearance draws the attentions of intergalactic friends and foes from across the cosmos, and a rogues gallery of alien combatants converges in small-town suburbia to battle for the fate of the galaxy. This is written and directed by Stephen Kostansky. Um, and it stars Anita Jose Hanna, Owen Amiri, Adam Brooks, Alexis Hansi, and Matthew Ninaber. Um, 
the last film debuting um, Shudder original, that is Is Skull the Mask Alright, so um, This is written and directed by Armando Fonseca And Capel Furman Alright, and um, It's starring Rurik Jr., who's um, a Brazilian champion wrestler, Wilton Andrade, Natalia Rodriguez, Ivo Muller, Ricardo Gelli, Guta Ruiz, Gilda Nanotz, and Tristan Aronovic. And, um, yeah, in the Splatterfield Supernatural Slasher, a pre-Columbian artifact, contains the spirit of Anhanaga, the executioner of the god Takawantaspa. Whoever wears the mask is possessed by Anahaga and compelled to commit sacrifices to resurrect his god. It's up to a museum assistant and a policewoman to stop the slaughter before the ritual is completed. It's some classic 80s slasher throwback action for you people. And um, yeah, every Friday of May, you will be getting new episodes of The Last Drive-In with Bob Joe Bob Briggs. So there is that as well, people. I mean, hey, if, um, you know, that doesn't tell you, I don't know what will. You know, there's also going to be, you know, some new additions to the Shudder classic movie library. So the 1973 Wicker Man, the 1959 House on Haunted Hill, the 99 version of House of Haunted Film, the 1960s 13 Ghosts. You know, that's just to name a few. So, people, if you do not have Shudder, how do you call yourself a horror fan? Okay, people, so now you've had that, let's get into this week's films. Okay, so, man, I was looking for something to watch, and I stumbled upon a film called Love Possibly. I was hoping it was going to be a a fun little take on the rom-com genre. Um, yeah. I don't know, sometimes hopes are not fulfilled, people. So, uh, yeah, I think this film was originally meant to come out a few years ago, but it did not. All right, so it's um, directed by Michael Boccalini and Che Grant. It's written by um, uh, Boccalini, Grant, and... Michael Coburn Hmm Along with Charles Lim Q Lin And Steve Hodgett 
I mean, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people involved in the script, which I think that does kind of answer a few questions. Right? Um, you then have music by Daniel um, Markovich. Cinematography is Charles Lim. Film editing is Rupert Hall. Che Grant is the casting person. Okay, so the um the cast. Alright, so Steve Hodgetts is Alex Clough, our main character. We've then got Anna Danshina as Halana. Uh, Julie Nesher as Natalie. Michelle Thomas as Trish, Alex's mum. Um, we have a Louise, Louise Belfort as Ivan. That's Alana's son. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, they're kind of our our main. Group, I'd say. Yeah, I mean they're the main ones. All right. Anyway, the um, the story is this: a fly on the wall documentary film crew follow Alex, a hopelessly romantic rom com obsessed virgin, on a quest to find love. Alex quickly finds himself out of his depth when Lana, a Moldovian male-order bride he met online, makes the bold decision of moving to London to marry him. Okay, so, yes, that is the the gist of the film. It's a little confusing. It's a little confusing because the film opens up and it says... Um, I think it's one out of eight men suffer from social anxiety. This, for the most part, affects their relationships. Right? And then it's like, um, Alex is one of them and he is looking to find love. But, I I don't know, right? The, the weird thing about it is... Alex isn't just he's that's not social anxiety right the the character they give us with Alex there is a lot more going on than just social anxiety right so if they said he's um on I mean he's clearly like the character they've created is on the spectrum Right, social anxiety would just be you don't particularly like hanging out in large groups. You know, you find conversation a little bit difficult. Not because you can't speak, it's just, you know, you get flustered and, you know, shy and whatnot. This isn't that. Right, this isn't that. So it's very confusing 
that they've decided to give us this character that is, I don't know, just something completely different, right? They, they, they the, the character goes on about being obsessed with rom-coms, and see, Sleepless in Seattle is the favourite rom-com, and just all of that, right, and I don't know, you, you'd think some, someone that is obsessed with rom-coms, as Alex, you know, says he is, right, Sleepers in Seattle, when Harry met Sally, you know, um, Notting Hill, Love Actually, they're all referenced in, um, in this, for weddings, all old rom-coms, Right, you're just like, okay, so there's nothing newer? Did they all stop at this certain time? Right, if you were just like, oh, I only like films by, you know, these actors, fine. But, I don't know. Well, when you look at all of those, there are certain things the characters do, right? There's There's an understanding about... Those relationships, like the characters aren't all um, necessarily like losers, <laughs> you know what I mean, they, like you might have people that are lefarios or just don't want to settle down or like there's different types, but he has no clue how to go about anything right, how to talk to people, how to, it, it's, it's a confused, it's like they had an idea for a story, but then weren't quite sure how to execute, right, now, with so many people down as writers, it does make you wonder what the inputs were for the story, as I said, look, as a, you know, an idea, it's not the worst, but, yeah, it just becomes a very convoluted, right, so you have him at the very start, so it's not a spoiler or anything, like, you have him go on this dating thing, to this dating event, this single singles event, so he goes to that, and um, it, you you believe it didn't go very well because he he leaves. Well, he leaves going yes, no, it was really good, and then you get a caption come up on the screen going Alex dropped out of the documentary shortly after, and then it says two weeks later he called up saying he's back in and he had news. So you're just like. Oh, so in two weeks, right, all of this was supposedly then set up. He'd met Lana online and uh, arranged to meet her and he'd fallen in love with her. And you're just like, wait, huh? What? You know, it, it just, it doesn't really make sense. Also... Mel all the brides. That's been something that's been referenced in films and you know documentaries, even rom coms. So 
it's not like a new concept, and you'd kind of figure that, like, this is someone that would have looked into that before going to that singles event, right, there just seems to be no logic to it all, we then have him fly to Moldova, we have him fly to Moldova, do some stuff, but then he's surprised when she comes to London, which, again, is confusing, Right, out of nowhere, he gets this um, girl, Natalie, to be his translator. So, I mean, it seems that she lives near him, opposite him, maybe. But you still don't understand, how did they get talked? Like, what? You know, because it's just like, if you can't talk to people... But he was able to talk to her to get her to help him. Because there had to be a conversation for that to happen. So, yeah, you're like, wait, hold on. If you can talk to her, how come he can't talk to her? Right? What is happening here? And it just, you know, everything kind of goes from there, which is, it, and it just becomes even more confusing as the story goes on, right, they, they do the thing where, um, everything in London is close, right, which, <laughs> there's certain places that you're like, that's not close to that place, right, you, you wouldn't walk from there to, like, what, what, so they do that, also, you have him at certain places, and you're just like, that place is never that quiet, like, he's on the underground, you see him going up the escalator at the underground, no one is there, and you're thinking, okay, it's maybe that quiet, uh, one in the morning, but even then, there's people, Right, that you you will hardly ever see it where there's no one, just no one there. It's at the train station, no one there, and you're just like a big train station like King's Cross. There are usually a load of people, right? It might not always be packed, packed, but there's gonna be people. So, yeah, there's just these weird scenes that make no sense. These Just a lot of weird things that make no sense. And I will say, if you're walking around London without trousers on, you're going to get arrested. <laughs> you're going to get arrested. You know, there is a thing. You do bump into police walking around central London. So, especially the West End. Right, so you're walking around with no... What? It's weird. So, the film... The way the film is shot... Like, some of it is okay. There are a lot of really close-up shots of... um, You know, usually it's Alex's face, which you're just like, uh, the camera is way too close. We don't, 
We do not need <laughs> like this shot. The, yeah, some of the shot selection is is uh, confusing. Right, I don't know why. I don't know why those shots were chosen. Like what it's meant to be giving you. Because we understand he supposedly a film crew is following him around. But if if the film crew is filming from a distance, we wouldn't be looking at these shots. Right? So there's a lot of that that yeah makes no sense. And the subtitles on the film are atrocious. They are so bad. Right? They chose these tiny, tiny subs, which you're just like, in what world did you think that was a good idea? Right? Because they're smaller than just the average size subtitle. And it, it's Baffling, just baffling how they settled on that. Right? And for some reason they like the, the ones they select override your settings. So even if you have selected, okay, so I want this side subtitle, the film overrides it. So you, you have to make do with their stupid ass small subtitles, which yeah, baffling. Baffling. Right? There, uh, you know, things happen in the film, man, that just the character asks no questions. He asks no questions. And again, even if you you you're not mad experienced. Watching all of the things he's supposedly watching, you'd know to ask questions. I don't know. I don't know what I just watched. I'm baffled. I am baffled, people. It is so, so confusing, you know? A couple of films that do a very good job of showing people not able to kind of cope with a real relationship, you know, trying to navigate moving on in situations would be, I mean, you've got her, right, with Joaquin Phoenix, Scarlett Johansson voices the phone AI, I mean, that was very well done, right, when you hear about that concept, you're like, say what, but the film is very good, you know, Spike Jones. Did a great job. You've also got um, the, you know, the Ryan Gosling film, right? Lars and the Real Girl. You know, uh, Craig Gillespie um, directed. Ryan Gosling, Emily Mortimer. You know, that's a very good film. It's like both of those films show us these these characters that are yeah, struggling but the characters aren't one dimensional they're not caricatures unfortunately with this alex does seem like a caricature you know now i'm sure this will have an audience right i, I kind of feel it it does play into 
kind of in-betweeners type humour. So I think if you like maybe Friday night dinners, in-betweeners, that sort of thing, I think you might enjoy this. But yeah, it wasn't for me. This film was not for me. But it might be for you people, okay? So if it is, love possibly, okay? It's on Prime Video, so you can you can go watch it there. So I've been meaning to watch it for a long ass time, but seeing it just won an Oscar, I was like, you know what? Why am I procrastinating? I so I checked out my octopus teacher, and this was. A very strange documentary. Like, not strange in a bad way. Though it, it was fascinating. It was fascinating, infuriating. It, it was, yeah, compelling. And I wanted to know so much more. Like, that was the irritating thing about it. There were so many questions. God damn. Oh man, so this was, it's directed by Pippa Ulrich and James Reed. So Craig Foster, he um, produced it. So it's written by Elrich and Reed. I know what it means by written, you know what I mean? Because, yeah. Now, I'm, mm, I'll get to that, I guess. Right, so music is by Kevin Smuts. Uh, cinematography is Roger Horrich. It's edited by Elrich and Dan Schwalom. Um, and it's on Netflix, right? So, um, yeah, the, the gist of it all is this, right? So, the film shows how in 2010, Foster began free diving in cold water kelp forests at a remote location in False Bay near Cape Town, South Africa. The location was near Simon's Town on the Cape Peninsula, which is exposed to the cold Bengala current of the Atlantic Ocean. He started to document his experiences and in time met a curious young octopus that captured his attention. He decided to keep visiting her, tracking her movements every day for a year to win the animal's trust. They form a bond where she plays with Foster and allows him into her world to see how she sleeps, lives and eats. In the film, Foster describes the impact of his relationship with the octopus on his life. The film shows Foster growing into relationship with the octopus as he follows her around for nearly a year she has to defend herself against pajama sharks um so we get to see all of that and it is fascinating you know i think just the the build up to it because we learn okay so um you know he says that he he grew up in this place. And when you see where he grew up, you're like, say, say what? You know, because it's this house 
this kind of wooden cabin on the beach, you know? Wooden cabin on the beach. But here's the thing. When the waves are big, they would crash into the house. So they would go and flood the lower floor of the house, which is crazy, right? This is a thing that would be, must, must have been happening, I'd say, at least once a week, probably, I don't know, maybe every day. I don't know, it, but it's not, oh, I mean, you know, maybe once a year it happens, or once every other year, no, this would be a regular thing, but, um, yeah, he, I mean, yes, he was a kid, and so he's like, yeah, as a kid, it was great, you know what I mean, it was an adventure, I was amazed by it, and yeah, you would be as a kid, as an adult, though, you'd be like, god damn it, <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't sound like you're losing, like, you couldn't have anything on that lower floor. Because it would just get ruined. Unless you have movable shit, right? So, as soon as you see the waves getting a certain size, you pick everything up, take it upstairs. But then the other thing is, what things got washed into the house... Like, were snakes, were, I don't know, just poisonous shit. <laughs> like, there's a shit you had to worry about. It seems weird. But that's how he grew up. And he said, so he moved away. And everything was cool. You know, he was making films and, you know, living his life. But he he made some films with some people, a couple of guys, and... You know, they were his tour guides through some forests. And he was like, oh, and they got one with the forest. And seeing that connection reminded him of how he used to live as a kid. And, you know, he went away and he couldn't get it out of his mind. And he'd been working a lot and he said, you know, he was burnt out. So they moved back by the sea. He took his family back by the sea. And you're thinking, okay, yeah. I mean, I get, I get it, right? I get it. I mean, loads of people I know are like, oh, I want to move by the coast and, you know, I'm going to be here and surf and chill and blah, blah, blah. Right? I understand. I, no interest. <laughs> yeah, but, you know... It's a draw, you can see that And then we see him go dive Right, and he's like, ah, and I wanted to kind of immerse myself in this world So I was like, ah, I'm going to go dive And we we see him do that, and so he goes diving And then he just stumbles across this octopus And it's just... Watching how, you know, at first he's watching it from afar And then, you know, as the days go on This octopus is coming up to him Is, you know, clinging to him Crawling on over him So we're seeing all of that interaction But then we get to see 
you know, the octopus feed and stuff, like how it, you know, we, we see a hunter crab, you know, and a um, lobster. I was trying to think, what's the other thing like a crab? Lobster. So, yeah, and the different approaches it has to take to doing that, right? Which, in itself, that's fascinating. So, we're seeing all of this and how it's affecting him. I think one thing that's interesting is he he's watching it all and soaking it all in. But you do see him try and humanise it, right? There's every time it's just like, oh, yeah, and that's very much like humans do. And, you know, and we do this. And you can see how it's intelligent and all. And it's like, okay, I get it, right? Because this is the thing. Octopus are intelligent. You know, that I think from watching countless documentaries and reading information, you know, you do discover octopuses are intelligent, right? But I think what you notice is he's like, oh, yeah, and I read all this information. But you do wonder how much information did he read? Because there's a moment where it gets attacked and it loses an arm. And he's just like, and I couldn't believe it, and I thought it was going to die. And I'm like, well, if you had read anything about it, you'd understand that they can lose an arm, right? It, and that is a fascinating thing about, you know, a lot of animals, that they can lose limbs, you know? And sometimes they will sacrifice a limb to escape. And you're just like, wait, so that can lose a leg, it can lose a tail, and it survives and grows them back. I mean, that's the crazy thing. It grows them back, right? But that seemed to baffle him. Like, he didn't seem to understand that, which I thought was um, interesting. That was interesting That he didn't understand it But while you're seeing it You know Deal with this situation I think there's stuff that we don't know Right? Because he's like, oh yeah And you can see that, you know It's it's afraid And that's why it's this colour And I'm a bit like Well, we don't actually know Right, there, there were these assumptions that were getting, you know, thrown around, which was a little crazy, you know, that, oh yeah, you know, obviously that colour means that it's, you know, hungry, and blah, 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 and it's just like, well, we don't actually know that, right, you might think that one thing, but hey, there could be so many other reasons why, why that, why that thing is going on, you know, but it is, it's interesting how we do that, do you know what I mean, like, how we, to, to try and understand something, you know, you go, okay, so humans feel this, and we do this to cope with that, so 
That's what that animal must be doing. And maybe we're right. But also, maybe we're full of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we, we are making that up. Right? One thing I really wanted to know, though, was, well, because, you know, at the very beginning, he's like, oh, I wanted to become one with the nature and have these animals see me in a certain light. So I knew I couldn't wear a wetsuit. And I'm like, but could you have? <laughs> you, because you see all these other people make documentaries and get real close to the animals and interact and stuff like that. They're wearing wetsuits. So I wonder... If he were a wetsuit, would this same situation have happened? You know what I mean? But it's like, to be able to deal with the cold and everything, was he utilising something like the Wim Hof technique for breathing? You know, that's why I, I wanted to know stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like, is he doing... Like breathing exercises to be able to do this, and how long is he actually under the water for? Because you know, there'd be moments where he'd be like, Oh, I had to go up for air, but he, he never really said how long he um, was down for. And I thought, Oh. That's kind of fascinating, right? How long would he be under the water, you know? And how long did he have to swim for to get to the kelp forest? Now, one of the biggest things was... Because he's swimming in South Africa, right? And, I mean, you always hear of, like, shark attacks and all these other things in, like... You know, South Africa for sure, Australia, there's certain parts of the world where, yeah, there's definitely shit going down. So the fact that he's out there, and he was out there for nearly a year on his own for the majority of the time, was there anything he had to keep an eye out for? You know, like anything deadly, because there's the pajama sharks, right? Which obviously it seems that they weren't a threat, because he never mentioned, never mentioned that they would be, and they did seem to swim close to him. But was there anything that you know could have poisoned him, attacked him? You know, just. I mean, like, you have to be careful of coral, I'd assume, because that can cut you, right? But, yeah, it, it, it's that, right? I, I wanted to know stuff like that. What were the perils? What were the, you know, things you have to be cautious of? Right? We see him touching fish and stuff like that, and I'm a bit like, ah, okay. Because we're, we're always kind of told, oh, you if you touch certain things, you can damage the scales, which then cause issues. So, is he cool touching all of this stuff? Like, ah. You know, it is, it's, it's interesting. You know, there are all of these kind of questions that come from 
you know, watching these interactions and everything like that. Also, right, because he was using this as a, a form of therapy, a form of therapy to kind of deal with his burnout. But as he's, because he said it, right, the, the more he was going down there, the kind of more he was getting engrossed with this octopus. He was thinking about this octopus. He wanted to get back down to see the octopus. And it's like, how were his relationships with his wife? Because if he's thinking about this all the time and wanting to go down, like, did that change that dynamic, that relationship? Now, obviously, we didn't have him go, yeah, and I got divorced, and, you know, like, we didn't hear him say that, so I'm assuming he didn't, but, yeah, how was that? You know, it's, it's interesting because he says, oh, it, it changed my relationship with people and animals, but he didn't say how. He didn't say how. And I, you know what I mean? Because I think one thing that you find, just because people like cats, doesn't mean like they they treat other animals in the same way. You know what I mean? So just because you like one animal and you can care for one thing doesn't mean that's always universal, so I would be interested to see, you know, how he, he now interacts with other things and other, you know, beings, now, I, I, I thought it was good that he didn't, you know, try and stop the sharks from attacking the octopus and other things, because, yeah, there is a circle of life, yeah, like, they are symbiotic to each other, right, because at, at the end, you, you see what happens, and, yeah, that, that's the, that's the circle, right, but, yeah, I, I think that would be interesting, so there's just all of these other little bits and bobs, but what we see, you know, the, I think the access that these sort of things give you into um, just these parts of the ocean and the world, it is, it is interesting as hell because, you know, would, <laughs> like, would we all get this same opportunity? Would we all know where to look, right? It, it's just things like that. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm, I mean, I'm not swimming in the South African Sea with the sharks and the, you know, the other shit, right? Hey, rather you than me, you know what I mean? So, yeah, the fact that he's doing that, I get to see this. And it was, was great, man. It's just all the different colours, I, I think when you see animals that can camouflage themselves, you know, change to their environment, that's always crazy interesting, right? And it utilised different things to act as a defence mechanism, 
right? Like the, the pajama sharks can't really see that well, but smell. They've got a great sense of smell. I mean, although I do question that because you saw the sharks swim above it. Right, and not realise it's there And I'm like, yo, for something with a great sense of smell You missed it <laughs> Like, how are you missing it? But it would put its scent on other things Right, to throw the sharks off And you're like, whoa That's, that's ingenious Right? That's ingenious So we get to see that and the fact that we get to see, like, he was able to capture so much stuff, right? Just be in that right moment, right time. Unless, you know, because there are bits when you're like, yeah, it's obvious there are other people filming. You know, that that's just not him with his camera. There are other people filming. So, yeah, did they... Put cameras in the ocean and leave them Can you do that Right yeah I mean there are things There are techniques it would be I mean you, you kind of want to see A making of Documentary now like How they made this Right because there are all those Questions like how did they get that Shot and hmm How was that set up and how long were they in the water? You know what I mean? Just all those things you you really want to know, right? So yeah, a making of of the documentary would be um would be good, you yeah. know. Because when he's talking, you can see that someone's asking him questions, and they've just kind of cut that part out. But yeah, I'm glad I did finally get to check this out because it it was. Were worth a watch, and yeah, you can see why everyone is talking about this, you know, why they were talking about it, you know, when it did drop, because it's crazy, you know, it's a crazy thing, and it's, uh, yeah, it's fun to see other people do stuff, because, you know, we can watch Attenborough stuff, and that's great, we know that's great, but yeah, it is good to see you know, that other people are producing just as fascinating pieces. And, um, yeah, you know, he, he it was a year's worth of lessons. But, um, you know, he did seem to learn a lot from that one octopus, right? And, you know, it's, it's nice to see that he's continuing to do stuff, set up that project and, you know, that's all pretty cool, but, um, yeah, so many more questions, people, so many more questions, but, you know, this is on Netflix, and it's not very long, right, it's not very long, so it's definitely, you know, worth a check, it's right, an hour and 25 minutes, so, yeah, people, you know, if you've got some time, go check out my octopus teacher because I think you're gonna be fascinated so something I wanted to check out for a while finally hit Amazon Prime and that's Palm Springs so this is uh, Max Barbacole's 
directorial debut. So he came up with the story idea with um, the screenwriter Andy Sierra. Sierra went on to uh, write the screen play to the film. Um, it's produced by Chris Parker, Akiva Schaefer, Dylan Sellers, Becky Slovita, Jorma Takun, and um, Andy Sandberg. And the f- oh, let's say the music is Matthew Compton. Cinematography is Quayan Tran. Edited by Andrew Dickler and Matt Friedman. And the cast. Well, we've got Andy Samberg as Niles. We've got um, Meredith Hagner as Misty, his girlfriend. Um, We've got Christine... Milolity as Sarah, um, yeah, Talia's sister, right, so Camelia Mendez is Talia, she's getting married, uh, we got, um, who else, uh, Tyler Hoshlin, is um, Abraham, otherwise known as Abe, and that's Talia's fiance. We then have Peter Gallagher as Howard, Talia and Sarah's dad, um, Jacqueline Obradors as Pia, um, yeah, Talia and Sarah's stepmom. Uh, then there is, um, J.K. Simmons plays Roy. They're probably our, our main, um, our main group. Uh, maybe Chris Pang as Trevor, one of the wedding guests. And I think he officiates the wedding as well. Okay, so the, um... Yeah, the gist of the film is while stuck at a wedding in Palm Springs, Niles meets Sarah, the maid of honour and family black sheep. After he rescues her from a disastrous toast, Sarah becomes drawn to Niles and his offbeat nihilism. Hmm. But... When their impromptu tryst is faulted by a surreal interruption, Sarah must join Niles in embracing the idea that nothing really matters and they begin wrecking spirited havoc on the wedding celebrations. So yes, that's kind of it, but not really. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the film is, is stuck in a time loop. Right, and I have to say, right, because I'd heard about this film, you know, it was talking about, ah, oh, yes, this film, just great script, great script, and there was a bidding war for it and all of this, so it was just like, oh, yeah, let's see it, right, and 
you know, I, I have to say, like, the Lonely Island guys, right, sometimes I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm really down with their stuff, sometimes it doesn't always hit for me, but, um, yeah, you know, I, um, ah, man, I think it was the last one, right, the last piece was, oh, so damn funny, that I was just like, yeah, what are they doing next, you know what I mean, and that was, um, gosh, which the, the, um, the Bash Brothers, yeah, that, that whole Sammy Sosa thing, oh, man, it was hilarious, so just, a wasn't even a long-ass film, really, it was like a Netflix, um, special kind of thing, but so goddamn funny, man, so damn funny, so yeah, I was, I was on board for more, and uh, yeah, the unauthorised Bash Brothers experience, that was it, hit last year, if you haven't seen it, you gotta check it out, but yeah, you know, I checked out, but I don't know, I, I thought it was just gonna be some... Yeah, some a bit like that Sophie Capella film. You know what I mean? From a while back. Which I cannot remember the name of. Oh dear. But yeah, you just thought it was kind of a slice of life film. Right? But then turns into this time loop thing. Right? Which, again, you're watching it and you don't think at first. Right? So you're at this wedding and everything is... A bit weird You know, you can see there's things going on But you can't quite put your finger on it And then suddenly we're in this loop Right? And that is like Oh Okay Alright, let's see where they go with this And um It's kind of fun Right? It's kind of fun Because you see these two Trying to navigate this thing Yeah And it's yeah Embracing The whole situation So I think in, Normally in a film You know that deals with the whole loopy loop thing You have everyone Trying to work it out from the Giddy up and I don't know It, it just The idea has become A little played out Right, we we've seen a lot of different people utilize it, and it was nice to see something kind of, um, you know, I I guess work around it in a different type of way. You know, they were just having having fun, right? And I think the other thing is. I the film could have just gone down that whole X-rated route and gone a real kind of balls to the wall crazy, but it does kind of dial it back. It doesn't go too insane, right? But that's good, right? It works, you know. But and you do have this kind of charming, charming thing now. I think a, a lot does go down, right? And I think there's stuff that you... I mean, there's stuff that goes... That you kind of expect to happen, 
right? Because when two people spend a lot of time together, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? But I think at the start, it, it's fun because there is that whole, yeah, we're not going to. Right? So you can at first just enjoy the fun. Right? But you kind of figure, all right, it's probably going to go in a certain way. I think all the time there is these things there is these things that you're thinking, all right, there is something more here that we don't know. You know, like, Niles, he doesn't really go too deep into his past. Doesn't go too deep into it. She reveals a little sign, sighting, but, yeah, there, there's stuff that you kind of figure, all right, there, there's things happening. I wonder what's happening. I wonder what the dealio is. So... It is a bit of a, you know what I mean? You're a little stunned moment when you you get a little glimpse. You get a little glimpse into something, which does take you aback. Does take you aback, and I think it. You you know you you change your viewpoint. Slightly You know it, it makes things a little interesting Now they add things To the film Like Roy You know the whole Roy situation Which is like Huh Okay So where's that gonna go You know So there's definitely some Things with this loop That you're like Okay So how do you solve that Right, how do you get around this? But it, it, it's interesting. You know, there is a nice little sentiment to the proceedings. I will say, the the end... Ah, there's bits of the end which do get a little too cliche, right? A little too cliche... But they do manage to um, pull it out, right? Because it's not completely, it's not completely contrived, right? So that was good. Now the acting, the acting was very good. I enjoyed it, right? I I did think that, um, you know, Sandberg plays... I mean, it's it is similar to a lot of his characters for sure. Niles is, you know, a bit like his Brooklyn Nine Nine character and some of the other characters we've seen him play, but it works, right? It it fits the narrative we have on Niles, so that's good. I think mean, Christine um, Milioti, uh, yeah. Her characters there are a little more complex A little more complex Because it, you know It is this black sheep, supposedly But you know that Like, she does want more She wants to be more And there's something that has Yeah, got in the way of all of that And we do get that from those performances You know Meredith Hager is misty. I, there's not too much to the character, but it works. 
you know, some of the other characters like Talia, um, Abe, like we don't really get that much on them. You know, people like Trevor, Howard, Pia. There's not too much, but as satellite characters, you know, they work in their roles. You know what I mean? They work in their roles, but it is interesting, I kind of think. Now, like, when you do get to the whole quantum stuff, doesn't necessarily all gel, right? And I think you do wonder, okay, so how long, technically, have they been doing this thing? Because it does, after all, it seems like Niles has been in there for a long, long, long time, right? And also for Sarah to then start to understand the quantum stuff, you're like, hmm, how long they've been doing this? Right, so that's something that's not really addressed, right? Because there is some separation period that you do want, right, so how long, and how, right, how, how do you lose someone for a a long period of time when you're essentially both in the same place, so there are a few bits and bobs that you're like, hmm, doesn't make some, doesn't so much sense, but I think the, the film in a whole because you've enjoyed it up to those points, you're fine with just being like, all right, you know, whatever. I can, I can skirt around that. It's fine, you know. But um, yeah, as a whole, I did really enjoy the film. Did really enjoy the film. Now there is an end scene in the credits, which didn't really make any sense, right, the end scene doesn't make any sense, because it would have had to have happened after the events that we've seen, which then would mean it doesn't happen, right, so that's a bit peculiar, because I don't see how they would have got, them. yeah, it's just like, the ending doesn't make any sense. I've, I've, I've been racking my head trying to figure out, okay, how would you make that work? And I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, other than that, you know, because it's an end credit. It, it, like, it really does not matter, right? doesn't matter at all. But I would say, yeah, it's, it's worth checking out. You know, it's a fun film, and they do, as I said, look, they play with the whole time loop thing a little bit differently, a little bit differently, a bit like Bliss from earlier in the year, that, you know, plays with the whole time dilation and all of that kind of thing within a kind of a love story, you know? So, yeah, I think they're both two films that do something a little bit different. So, yeah, I'd say they're worth checking out, people. But, yeah, Palm Springs, thankfully, it is now on Amazon. So, you can go check it out. So, yeah, have fun, people. Have fun with that.
Okay, people, so, yes, uh, we are coming to the end of another episode, but before we do, let's take a look and see what is happening in the film news. So, um, Another Road won the Best International Film at the Oscars, you know, Thomas Vinterberg was behind it, um, and as they usually do, right? They um, make an English version of a lot of these international big films. So, with this one, Ampion Way won the rights. So, they will be making it. And, um, you know, producing the film is uh, Jennifer Davison, Negin Salmasi. Brad Weston and Leonardo DiCaprio and it's believed that the DiCaprio may also be uh, starring in the film so the film is about four teacher pals in a midlife crisis who decide to experiment with keeping their blood alcohol levels continuously raised as a way to make life more interesting I mean, it's not really much of an experiment. You kind of know where that's going to go. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not really rocket science, man. Oh, my days. Um, Thomas Vinterberg is going to be an executive producer on the film. Uh, so, um, yeah, in other news... It's funny, right? So, Mary Norton's The Borrower's Books, they've been adapted a lot. We've had TV series, you've had a few films, books, comics, games, all of that kind of thing. And it would seem we're getting another film. So, this time it's from Working Title and Universal. And, um, you know, I, I think they're going to keep the gist of the theme, right? You know, family of tiny people living in the walls of an old English house. So you're going to keep that. Now, um, it looks like Conrad Vernon will be directing. Um, and Patrick Burley... You know, he's uh, written the script. So we'll see what they do with that one. Um, right, so a few films have changed their release dates. So first up, we've got, um, you know, the Martin Campbell film, The Protégé, which um, is coming to cinemas on the 20th of August. This film stars Samuel Jackson, um, Maggie Q, and Michael Keaton. We've also got, um, gosh, uh, Shotgun Wedding. Shotgun Wedding, which stars Jennifer Lopez and Josh Dermal. Right, so, um, yeah, this is coming out. On the 29th of June 
Uh, so you then have um, your, the Mark Foster directed White Bird, A Wonder Story. So it stars Gillian Anderson and Helen Mirren. Uh, it's an ad- adaptation of an R.J. Palassi book. And uh, this is now coming on the 16th of September 2022. Uh, Stand By Me, you know, classic film, is um, being re-released on the 23rd of May, which is a Sunday, and it will run until the 26th of May, and this is to coincide with its 35th anniversary. Uh, So then we've got um, Scott Durkin's new film, The Black Phone, Right, so uh, this is now scheduled to come out on the 28th of January 2022 And it stars Ethan Hawke Uh, We've got um, Escape Room 2 So um, yeah, I think the first one came out last year I believe so You know, Adam um, Robetel's Yeah I mean, we've had a few escape room films. I think there's also been one called Escape Room. But yeah, this new iteration, you know, came from Sony. Um, Yeah, and it's getting a sequel, which will be um, the 16th of July. So yes, there you go. A couple of new Netflix films. So uh, first, we've got... um, Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon Eternal The Movie Hmm So this is a two part Animated film But both parts will be Hitting Netflix on the 3rd of June And then um, There is a film Of uh, Galmero Del Toro's uh, Troll Hunters Called Troll Hunters Rise of the Titans, and this will be dropping on the 21st of July. So, yeah, if you're fans of the other Troll Hunter stuff, that will be a must see. Uh, also, coming to um, Netflix is Vivo. So, this is a new film, um, it's an animated film. And it's been created by Lin-Manuel Miranda Right, so um, Yeah It's uh, Hmm What is it about? Well, it's written um, Painted by Kirk DiMico and Brad uh, Well, no, they directed it Brandon Jeffords So yeah, they directed it And it follows a Honey bear from the rainforest who spends his days playing music to the crowds in a lively Havana square with his beloved owner Andreas. When tragedy strikes, the bear must make his way to Miami to deliver a letter. Hmm, 
Okay. So, um, yeah, it's got a voice cast of um, Miranda, uh, Gloria Estefan, but with no Miami sound machine, unfortunately. Zoe Salander, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, Yanali Simo, um, and Nicole Breyer. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah. Um, actually, we do know when that will be dropping um, Because Netflix put out um, their uh, release date information on So, um, well, let's start from the beginning, right? So, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead is dropping on the 21st of May uh, We've got Fatherhood which is a new Kevin Hart film that's coming on the 18th of June. Um, you then have got, I think they're also coming on the 18th of June, right? The Woman in the Window, starring Amy Adams. Um, Vivo, as mentioned. Um, yeah. Uh, also, um, Sweet Girl starring Jason Momoa, um, The Last Mercenary starring John Claude Van Damme, uh, The Ice Road starring Liam Neeson, She's All That, which is a sequel to He's All That. Uh, then you've got, um, Beckett starring David John David Washington um, America the Motion Picture um, and uh, Fear Street and I think all of those are dropping on the 30th of June so yes um, now this we do know is happening and we do have the actual date for it so uh, yeah DC fandom is coming back you know it, it, it took place last year two-day event a um, a lot of information was dropped for all those DC fans and yeah it was supposedly such a big success that they are bringing it back but this time it will be hitting on the 16th of October so yes, one day and, um, you know, yeah, just imagine all those DC films that are currently in production or just finished, you will probably see trailers and cameos and talks and whatnot about all of those. Alright, so let's finish with this, right? Now... Uh, uh, there's a lot of information from Marvel that hasn't been dropped, right? Because it ties into films or TV series that haven't quite aired yet. But now Falcon and the Winter Soldier has finished. We finally do have confirmation that we will be getting a new Captain America film. Aha! Right, and um, this will be written uh, by um, yeah the people behind the uh, great TV show. Right, so Malcolm Spellman, 
who was the head writer and the showrunner. He will be writing it along with Dallin Moosen, who was in the writer's room. So, um, yeah, I think we can um, expect to see a certain person holding the shield. And yeah, cannot wait. Because Falcon and Winter Soldier was outstanding. And if you want to hear the views, people, check out this week's Echoes from the Void, um, the second part. Because, yeah, we go into all of that. But, people, that is it. We are done. We'll see you next week for more film news. So, enjoy your film watching and your weekend, people. Peace.